The simple bare necessities. We interrupt this regularly scheduled programming to bring you this special Disney News Network report. Hello, everybody. Tom Chadstone from the DNN News Desk. Our sources can confirm a live bear in the most magical place on Earth. A female black bear, some say running rampant, while others say just sitting in a tree, was spotted in the Magic Kingdom Monday, causing the temporary closure of Adventureland, Frontierland, and Liberty Square. DNN senior reporter Brian Fantana was on the scene trying to get a word with this four-legged killing machine. The mood is tense. I have been on some serious, serious reports, but nothing quite like this. I tried to get an interview with him, but they said, nope, you can't do that. He's a live bear. He will literally rip your face off. Hey, you're making me look stupid. Get out here! Thank you, Brian. Very brave. While reports from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission claim this bear was safely removed, others claim that the Magic Kingdom has been overrun by bears and slowly feasting on the pirates of the Caribbean. DNN man on the street Chad Tomstone is live in the Magic Kingdom on Bear Watch Day 7, bringing us the latest. Chad? Thanks, Tom. I'm reporting in front of Pecos Bill, where some say our new bear overlords paraded down the street, proudly showing the mechanical guts of Captain Jack Sparrow. Those same people say that the Enchanted Tiki Room is once again under new management, this time by bears. I spoke to cast members about these and dozens of other insane claims where they unequivocally denied each and every one. Cast members tell me there was only one black bear and she was safely removed without incident to guests or attractions. But we here at DNN will stay vigilant on Bear Watch. Tom? Thanks, Chad, and may God protect you from those bears. To recap, the entire Walt Disney World complex may or may not be a bear sanctuary at this point, but seems safe for guests. Those guests are being told to bring pots of honey and or picnic baskets as tribute. So for Brian Fantana, Chad Tomstone, and all of us here at DNN, my name is Tom Chadstone. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. May your dough whips be cold and all your wishes come true. threat to America, bears. A Monday morning, and you know what that means, dreamers. Welcome back to the Isolation Station, love. This is Daz Does Disney, and I'm your host. It's me. It's me. It's the D.O.Z. Landon the Dazdone, kicking your week off the right way with a little bit of Disney news coming out of the House of the Mouse in Orlando, Florida. We're talking Walt Disney World. Hopefully, you had a great week this week. It's going to be even better. Happy end of September beginning of October next week. Holy smokes, how did that happen? I really feel like we were just celebrating Labor Day weekend uh, not too long ago. Well, I, I guess in the scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago, but I mean, dang, like September is ending on Saturday, y'all. Uh, this year is just flying by, but uh, 
Yeah, it's just me. That's just me. Um, uh, but yeah, got a lot to talk about this week. Um, some good, some bad, some involving bears. But before we get to that, uh, you know how we do things here on this very fine podcast. We got to kick it off the right way with this week in Disney history. Turn down for what? This week in Disney history, we are looking back on the dates, uh, the day we're recording this, uh, September 24th through September 30th, and uh, on this date, September 24th, going all the way back to 1936, we are celebrating the birthday of a very special person, not only in the world of Disney, but in the world of uh, this network. I say with the question mark of podcasts and just the world in general, we are celebrating what would have been the birthday of Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets, as well as the original voice of Kermit the Frog. He was born as a James Maury Henson in Greenville, Mississippi. Henson first named his puppets the Muppets in 1954 while working as a producer of the Washington, D.C. TV show Sam and Friends. If you've seen any of the uh, more early iterations of the Muppets, they definitely have a uh, different tone than what uh, you and I grew up with of the (laughs) Muppets we knew and love. Uh, Henson was the leading force behind the Muppets' long run in the television series uh, Sesame Street and The Muppet Show, as well as films such as The Muppet Movie and creator of advanced puppets for projects like uh, Fraggle Rock, The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, and Return of the Jedi. Now, sadly, in May, oh, probably need to mute the uh, TV in the background. Sorry, watching some uh, football. By the way, the Titans are uh, down right now. <clears throat> anyway, sadly, in May of uh, 1999, Henson passed away suddenly at the age of 53 while negotiating uh, the sale of his company to Disney, and he was later named a Disney legend in 2011 uh long overdue in my opinion and uh i've mentioned this youtube series many a times uh defunct land has a just incredible an incredibly powerful episode as well about uh i think he titled it the final hours of jim henson not only talking about Henson fighting his illness and ultimately succumbing to it but also the negotiation that henson and disney had for Disney possibly buying his company, what happened after the fact, and then eventually Disney purchasing his company after Henson passed away. And uh, it's one of those great what ifs, in my opinion, when it comes to the Disney Corporation. What if uh, Disney and Jim Henson were able to do business while Jim Henson was still with us on the planet? And uh, it's also a greater what if in uh, the scale of humanity if Jim Henson, you know, didn't pass away at the age of 53. Uh, But in some happier news on this date in Disney history, uh, September 24th, 1973, construction begins in Florida on a one-story pavilion to house General Electric's Carousel of Progress. Now, of course, this was an attraction shipped from Disneyland and will find its permanent home at the Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland and is still, as of this recording, September 24th, 2023, up and running. This is a divisive attraction. You either love it or you hate it. Um, I fall in the camp. I tend to love it, question mark. I can see why it does have its detractors, especially when it's portraying a future that we've since lapped several times over technology-wise. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is some of that old-school Disney nostalgia. It has Walt's fingerprints on it. And it has, you know, AC and seating, which... I'm a big fan of, especially when it's a bazillion degrees down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, September 24th, 2001, the uh, Tapestry of Dreams Parade debuts at Epcot as part of the 100 Years of Magic celebration. A slightly shorter recycling of the popular Tapestry of Nations Parade from last year's Millennium Celebration. Tapestry of Dreams celebrates children, dreams, and the legacy of the man himself, Walt Disney. Uh, September 26, 2020, in kind of a controversial move, Disney's Grand Floridian Society Orchestra announces that after playing for 32 years at Walt Disney World, its last day 
will be October 3rd. The Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, where the orchestra generally plays, had been closed for months but reopened at the time last week, back in 2020. And last August, after months of furlough, Disney rebranded the group as the Disney Society Orchestra and installed the musicians in the Theater of the Stars at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, This is something that I still think a lot of people are sore that Disney removed because it really added to the ambiance and the atmosphere that was, at the time, very unique to the Grand Floridian. And uh, I know a lot of people would be very happy to see Disney reverse course and bring back the Grand Floridian Society Orchestra three years after the fact. Though, uh, don't know if I'd hold my breath on that. September 27th, 1982, at Epcot Center's Future World, the attractions Energy Exchange, Futurecom, Universe of Energy, Harvest Theater, and Kitchen Cabaret Review. Yeah, this is the part where everybody sings veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Okay, we got that out of our system. Super duper. Uh, They all open as the park prepares for its October 1st grand debut. The park itself is in the midst of previews for cast members and their family members. Uh, Meanwhile, over at the American Adventure, exhausted Imagineers are happily relieved as the entire shows are run uh, from start to finish without stopping or crashing for the first time. Apparently, the show had been a monumental struggle to create and then get from beginning to end. Yeah, shout out to Kitchen Cabaret. It was something that uh, I was not able to experience while it was up and running but it uh through the magic of youtube i have definitely gotten a veggie veggie fruit fruit caught in my uh brain many a times september 27th this time in 1993 also at epcot the listen to the land boat ride and the tomorrow harvest tour both located in the land pavilion since the park's debut in 1982 come to a close listen to the land will later reopen in December of 1993 as living with the land with the new thunderstorm opening scene, musical score, and ending. Now, fun fact, between its close as Listen to the Land and Living with the Land, it was running to special guests as Listen to the Landon, where it was just a eight-year-old Landon telling you about WWF and Ninja Turtles. Which, now that I think about it, uh, between... Listen to the land and, and this podcast. Not much has really changed. Anyway, I uh, I digress. Uh, tomorrow's Harvest Tour took guests on a tour behind the scenes of Listen to the Land, um, where it allowed guests to explore the different areas of the greenhouse and the plants that are grown. And also, uh, as of this day, uh, Nestle becomes the Land Pavilion's new sponsor. Now, uh, tomorrow's Harvest Tour sounds very familiar with the Behind the Seeds tour that is currently being offered. So uh, maybe we can say that tomorrow's Harvest is the uh, predecessor of uh, Behind the Seeds, uh, a tour that I would actually like to uh, take someday when I'm down at Epcot. Also happening on September 27th, this time in the year 2008, nightclubs in Pleasure Island, Florida permanently close at the end of the evening. Now guests begin to line up at 10 a.m. to get into the popular club Adventurers Club. At midnight, New Year's Eve is celebrated one last time complete with fireworks. Now, its intent is uh, over the next two years, all six of Pleasure Island's nightclubs will be replaced with new stores and restaurants. And then on September 27th, 2014, the Studio Backlot Tour, an attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios, comes to a close. Open since the park's debut on May 1st, 1989, it's a combination of a walking and tram tour of the backlot area. Its first incarnation of the Backlot Tour, it actually loaded at the former entrance of the Magic of Disney animation. The original tour was far longer and more elaborate than the final pared-down version that we saw when it came to a close on September 27th, 2014. And then also on September 27th, this time in 2019, 
You might remember this. Um, Disney officially dedicates its newest transportation system in the Disney Skyliners, a gondola system that connects two theme parks, which I believe is, uh, what, Epcot and Hollywood Studios, and several of the hotels in the middle of the resort. Uh, The Skyliner system begins on one end of the International Gateway entry to Epcot, where uh, the system continues to the site of the upcoming, at that time, uh, Disney uh, Riviera Resort. From there, uh, the system continues southwards uh, to Disney Caribbean Beach. From there, guests can connect to the Disney Hollywood Studios Park or continue to the Art of Animation and Pop Century Resorts. Uh, The gondolas are wrapped and continue to be uh, updated with colorful designs featuring Disney characters and seat up to 10 people each. I've only been on the gondolas, or excuse me, the Disney Skyliners a handful of times. I think they're a pretty cool way to get around the resorts if it's uh, convenient you. I don't know if this is something you want to go out of your way to experience because at the end of the day, it's just a way to get around the Disney World property because it's it's not a full-blown attraction. Uh, Expedition Everest, it is not, but uh, I I am pro Skyliner, assuming it doesn't come to a stop while I'm on it. (laughs) September 28th, 1982, at the Epcot Center, Canada, China, and France open around the world showcase between 4 p.m. and midnight for a soft opening in the preparation for its grand debut. Now, I I know that I obviously came along after Epcot had its official grand opening debut, but it just kind of boggles my mind, wrinkles the brain, if you will, that there was a time where, uh, like, Canada and France and China just weren't available, weren't there in the world showcase. I mean, like, mm, just, just crazy. And also something that my brain can't fathom. Well, it actually can kind of fathom because we lost them a few years ago. September 28th, 1982. Annual passes are introduced at Walt Disney World for the very first time. So uh, there you go. Uh, September 28th, 1996. Walt Disney World's Grand Prix Raceway changes its name to Tomorrowland Speedway. Now, this is one of the original Walt Disney World attractions dating back to the opening of the Magic Kingdom theme park all the way back in October 1st, 1971. Uh, Riders travel along a a track with banks and turns while hearing calls of world-famous announcer Tom Carnegie from sound speakers positioned around the track. And if uh, you've been on the attraction, you've been on uh, the people mover or you've been around the Tomorrowland Speedway or the people mover, you can smell me reading that story. Oh, the fumes. (coughs) Oh, the fumes. And then also on uh, September 28th, 1996, I was kind of talking about how I can't fathom Epcot not having, you know, the China, uh, Canada, and France pavilions. I also can't fathom a time when uh, Epcot didn't have uh, the Food and Wine Festival. On September 28th, 1996, the very first Epcot International Food and Wine Festival begins. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there was a time when Epcot wasn't festival land. So there you go. Uh, September 28th, 1994, Innovention's grand opening takes place at Epcot, although it's been open since July in the pavilion formerly known as Communicore. The future pavilion is divided into Innovention's West and Innovation's East. Uh, It focuses on technological advancements and their practical applications in everyday life. Um, uh, September 29th, 2015, although... Over the last several weeks, Disney Springs has started to replace downtown Disney on roadway signage and throughout Walt Disney World. The name change becomes official on this day, September 29th, 2015. Featuring more than 150 stores, restaurants, and entertainment locations, Disney Springs, which was still under construction on its grand opening or official renaming day consists of the landing the town center the west side and the marketplace um i love me some disney springs and i love the fact that you can go there without you know having to pay entrance or get a ticket or anything like that whenever i'm down at disney's whenever i'm down on a disney trip i consider disney springs a must do uh that's just me though um uh, hit me up with your must do's when you're down at a uh, Disney Springs me personally I got to go to Jack Lindsay I got to go to Wine Bar George um I got to think about going to Gideon's though if I'm being completely honest I think Gideon's is kind of overrated 
Yeah, I said it. Come at me, Diz Twitter or Diz X. I, I, I don't know what we're calling it right now. Ooh, another one of my must-dos, September 29th, 2017. Baseline Tap House, which is a pub on the new Grand Avenue at Disney's Hollywood Studios, has its opening. Now, this is located among the vintage office buildings and warehouses that represent the... <clears throat> Glory of Grand Avenue in downtown Los Angeles. This pub specializes in beer and wines from the Golden State of California. Baseline Tap House sits just around the corner from Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. Now, I seriously love me some Baseline Tap House. I have said I could go to Animal Kingdom and do nothing but sit in Nomad Lounge all day, just eating the food, drinking the drinks, and enjoying the ambiance. I don't know if I'm going to go that far with Baseline Tap House, but it's definitely in that conversation because the drinks are that good. I think where where it's not as good as Nomad Lounge is going to be on the food end. I do love me that big-ass pretzel it has. I do love me the charcuterie board it has. So, so you know what? Yes, I've talked myself into it. I could, in fact, sit there all day at Hollywood Studio, e- eating and drinking from California. Baseline Tap House does open on September 29th, 2017. Though it does seem like it's gotten really popular <laughs> recently. Uh, I've uh, I've actually had to stand in line before it's opened. Like I feel like it's a rope drop situation sometimes for Baseline Tap House. September 30th, 1993. This isn't really a park-related thing, but uh, I just thought this was neat. The Dapper Dans, which are the, you know, popular Disney barbershop harmony group, make an appearance on The Simpsons. I did not know this, and I am a massive Disney fan, and I am a massive Simpsons fan. The Dapper Dans, which uh, on this iteration uh, consists of Shelby Grimm in the lead, Mike Ikenamu as the, the tenor, Jim Campbell as the bass, and Dan Jordan as the baritone sing Baby On Board, which is one of my favorite Simpson episodes where Homer, Barney, Principal Skinner, and Apu form a barbershop quartet and they sing Baby On Board and I had no idea that it was the dapper freaking Dan's providing their voice for the B sharps, which was the group that Homer and uh, his friends named their group. I just, just think that's super, super cool. Another thing I think is super, super cool. September 30th, 2003 Mickey's PhilharMagic, a new computer animated 3d film attraction at the magic kingdom opens to guests though an official grand opening ceremony will be held later on October 8th. And finally, September 30th, 2019, Illuminations Reflections of Earth runs for the last time at Epcot. First known as Illuminations Reflections of Earth 2000 when it debuted in October of, no, not 2000, 1999 as part of the Walt Disney World Millennium Celebration. Uh, The popular nighttime show utilized fireworks, pyrotechnics, water fountains, fire effects, lasers, searchlights, and a large rotating globe with curved LED screens to create this visual production on the park's World Showcase Lagoon. Now, the show told the story of Earth and was divided into three movements titled Chaos, Order, and meaning, emphasizing the idea of humanity as a single unified tribe on the planet. Jim Cummings, who is the voice of Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Darkwing Duck, among other characters, provided the narration at the beginning of Reflections of Earth. And uh, now, it will go on to be replaced with a fireworks show called Epcot Forever. Ironically enough, Epcot Forever did not last forever. Um, and it will be replaced with Harmonious premiering later in uh, uh, 2020. And as we talked uh, last week, uh, I believe it's called Luminous, is going to be coming later this year. So, uh, hey, look at that. I tied uh, This Week at Disney History into current news because we do have some current news on uh, Luminous coming later. But uh, before we get into stuff happening in the park, I got to take a sip of uh, my scotch for uh, for this next piece of news. Ah. 
Because it's been a hot minute since we had to talk about as the Reedy Creek uh, district turns. We have an update, more specifically a new timeline in the uh, showdown of Disney taking on uh, noted Disney villain and flailing Republican presidential candidate Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A new timeline has been established uh, for the federal lawsuit where Disney is suing uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, among others, in a First Amendment fight. The timeline has been agreed by both parties after Disney filed a complaint against DeSantis, rendering the first complaint moot. United States District Judge Alan Windsor has accepted the following timeline established jointly by both parties. Now, defendant's motion to dismiss deadline. That comes up this week on Thursday, September 28th, 2023. Then, the plaintiff's response deadline is on October 19th, 2023. Then finally, the defendant's reply deadline is at the end of October, October 30th, 2023. The new deadline comes after Judge Windsor ordered Disney's first complaint as moot, given they filed a second complaint. In the second complaint, Disney has narrowed the scope of its lawsuit to just a single cause of action, being a First Amendment violation by DeSantis, the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District board members, and the administration of the CFTOD. Disney has moved the majority of its federal complaints to a state local court when it countersued the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. Following the narrowing of Disney's federal lawsuit and countersuit in state court level, CFTOD Chair Martin Garcia had strong words that he shared in a recent board meeting. Now, in a prepared statement, Garcia called the 50-plus year partnership between Disney World and the Reedy Creek Improvement District local government, quote, one of the greatest examples of corporate cronyism in modern American history, end quote. Just going to pause there for, uh, you know, the irony to set in him talking on cronyism. Anyway, continuing, uh, Garcia also said that the federal charges were, quote, bogus, end quote, and called Disney's inclusion of the charges in the federal case, quote, a publicity stunt. Now, Disney World, as of recording, has not responded to a request for comment on Garcia's words. Now, it is important to note that the schedule stated is for pre-trial motion and response. A time frame for the actual trial has yet to be set. Back in June, uh, presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis asked a judge to establish a timeline that could be after the United States presidential election. Disney asked the judge for a timeline that would see the parties enter the courtroom next spring or summer, which would be before the presidential election, whether DeSantis is part of said election or not. Judge Windsor said both parties were being unreasonable to those requests. In its slimmed-down federal lawsuit, Disney says that its comments on the Don't Say Gay bill are, quote, fully protected by the First Amendment, end quote. Disney said that DeSantis and others acted in a retaliatory manner to reconstitute the Reedy Creek Improvement District and that their actions have, quote, chilled and continue to chill Disney's protected speech, end quote. Disney says it has, quote, a significant interest in the governing body's composition and structure, which has been directly targeted by the enactment of legislation providing for its complete revision. Disney faces concrete, imminent, and ongoing injury as a result of the CFTOD's new power and composition, end quote. DeSantis and other defendants have until September 28th, again this Thursday, to file their motion to dismiss, which they say they intend on doing. So, like I said, I have tried to ignore this as much as possible, but this feels like something that does need to be brought up because this Thursday, I mean, we have the first checkmark on this new timeline set forth by District Judge Windsor um, for the defendants to file a motion to dismiss and 
DeSantis and his people have said they intend to file a motion to dismiss. So uh, pay attention to the Disney news feed uh, towards the end of the week. We'll see what happens. And uh, once we get into the court, I guess I'll uh, keep y'all up to date. Man. Ah. (laughs) Okie dokie. Enough doom and gloom. Otherwise, I'm going to drink my entire bottle of scotch if I continue to think about um, uh, noted Disney villain uh, and uh, flailing presidential candidate Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his attack on Disney. Uh, Let's talk about Disney's claims that they're going to put some money into the parks and not just some money. We're talking some money into the parks because Disney has claimed that they are going to nearly double investments into the theme park business because according to a filing with the SEC, and no, that's not the Southeastern Conference, Disney has provided an update to its capital expenditures in its theme park business. In the filing, Disney says that it plans to, again, nearly double capital expenditures to nearly $60 billion over the next 10 years. Now, this is going to be a hell of a quote, so everybody buckle up. Quote, The Disney company is providing the following update regarding its plans for capital expenditure at its Disney parks, experience, and products, also known as the DPEP segment. The company is developing plans to accelerate and expand investment in the DPEP segment to nearly double as compared to the previous approximately 10-year period consolidated capital expenditures for the segment over the course of an approximately 10-year period to approximately $60 billion in aggregate, including by investing in expanding and enhancing domestic and international parks and cruise line capacity, prioritizing projects anticipated to generate strong returns consistent with the company's continued approach to allocate capital in a disciplined and balanced manner. We believe that the company's financial condition is strong and that its cash balance, other liquid assets, operating cash flow, access to capital market, and borrowing capacity under current bank facilities taken together provide adequate resources to fund ongoing operating requirements, contractual obligations, upcoming debt maturities, as well as the future capital expenditures related to the expansion of existing businesses and development of new projects. End quote. In an email to the New York Times, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that the company plans on, quote, turbocharging the growth trajectory in its theme park line of businesses, which includes cruise ships and, of course, merchandise. Uh, Quote, there are far fewer limits to our park business than people think. The park The growth trajectory is very compelling if we do nothing beyond what we've already committed by dramatically increasing our investment, building big, being ambitious, maintaining quality and high standards and using our most popular IP, it will be turbocharged, like I said he was doing. Uh, Disney then offered a uh, graph to supplement its information from the SEC filing showing a dip in spending during COVID-19, which, I mean, I get, you know, the whole world was on fire as I waved my arms at the background, yada, 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 but then showed an uptick in spending following its recovery, uh, pointing towards attractions such as the Tron Coaster, uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, though if I remember correctly, Mickey and Minnie opened right before the world shut down. But that's just me. Um, And in terms of what IPs could be leveraged in the parks, uh, Disney Park Chairman Josh Tomorrow didn't offer anything concrete to the Times beyond what was already announced, but he did offer a hint of what could come. Um... He offered this tidbit when he said, quote, imagine bringing Wakanda to life in terms of bringing the latest Disney, Marvel, Pixar intellectual properties to the park. We haven't come close to scratching the surface. We have learned that incorporating Disney IP increases the return on investment significantly, end quote. 
So a couple takeaways um, from that whole thing. A whole lot to digest. I understand. I apologize for throwing all of that at you, but I love y'all for coming along with the ride. I mean, I love y'all anyway, but I love y'all for coming along for that ride specifically. Um, I love the fact that Disney is is putting actual their actual money where their mouth is, because if I'm being completely honest, even as a Disney fanboy, I can admit that Universal has really kind of eaten Disney's lunch over the last few years, whether it be, I mean, like starting with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and I mean, like, say what you will about the Minion stuff at, uh, at Universal Orlando, but I mean, like, like Universal's out there doing stuff and it, it kind of feels like like Disney's like, okay, well, you know, we're Disney, we're we're cool, we're cool, and then Universal's like, okay, you can you can be cool, Disney. We have Epic Universe coming. Even though I've joked, it's like, yeah, an Epic Universe opening, and I think I've said like like 2032, Epic Universe is coming, and I think it, I I think Epic Universe is going to be really dope. I think it's going to be really cool um we've seen on the left coast what they've done with the super mario world eventually that's going to make it out to universal orlando um we've seen shots of what they're going to be doing with the uh, donkey kong roller coaster i think that looks really cool um again it's it's it, it's stuff that speaks directly to me and people of my age that grew up on nintendo and super nintendo so i'm glad to see that disney is finally seems like they're putting on their big boy pants and it's like, okay, we, we, we got to take this seriously. And they're putting $60 billion towards answering the shots that it seems like they've kind of let Universal just get away with for a while, it seems like. And uh, kind of talking on tomorrow's quotes, uh, well, and I guess combining what Iger and tomorrow said, uh, Iger talking about using their most popular IPs and then, I guess, tomorrow echoing, saying that they want to incorporate uh, Disney IPs, seeing uh, the return on investment significantly. I understand that Disney does want to see a return on an investment because at the end of the day, this is a business and they do want to make money. And we can't fault a business for wanting to make money. We can, you know, gripe about Disney charging us some of the prices they have been. But at the end of the day, they are a business and they're out there to make money. Um, but then also on what Demaro said, bringing Wakanda to life. I think if done correctly, I think that could be really awesome. And Black Panther and Wakanda doesn't have to worry about being impacted by the restrictions that say like the Avengers or some of those characters have to deal with, with again, Universal. When Islands of Adventure opened up, uh, they have, you know, the X-Men and the Avengers and the Hulk and stuff like that. And then Disney goes and buys Marvel. They have to enter into a contract. It's like, well, you know, anything east of the Mississippi, these characters, Universal has theme park exclusive rights to. That's why you see Avengers Campus in Disneyland and not Disney World. Because, I mean, like, Universal called uh, legally binding dibs, so to speak, on that. But... I think Black Panther would get around that. So I think it would be cool, if done right, bringing Wakanda to life. And before you say it, no, Wakanda is not going to go in Animal Kingdom. Like, put it in Hollywood Studios. I Like, I think Wakanda would go great in Hollywood Studios. Or if, if we want to go, like, like, like double down on, uh, by the way, spoiler alert for uh, Black Panther 2, Shuri being the Black Panther going forward, Make her a full-blown Disney princess? I mean, maybe Magic Kingdom? I feel like that one's a stretch. Even I'll admit that. But let's go. Let, let's bring Wakanda to life in Hollywood Studios. I think that would be super awesome. Um, uh, then again, we've seen, you know, them uh, bring Guardians to Epcot. But even I'll, like, I'll, I'll buy why they brought Guardians to Epcot. They're bringing a whole new world to the World Showcase in, uh, in that area. So, you know. But I, I, I think that's, that's exciting. Um, but, but no, Wakanda is not coming to Animal Kingdom. So, so let's go ahead and, and, and stop that. But, but, but it's, as cool as that is, I'm also getting some smatterings and reminders of the Sky Blue Forward announcements I made reference to last week. Uh, 
where where Disney will just be like, yeah, we're going to bring Wakanda to life. Wouldn't that be cool? Or we're going to figure out what's beyond Big Thunder Mountain. Or we're going to make a villain's land. Wouldn't that be cool? Stuff like that. Now, Disney, I will say, is seems like it's different this time because they're putting $60 billion over 10 years to these announcements. But at the same time, we haven't had any official announcements yet. So as cool as it would be to uh, have a Wakanda that you could walk into in Hollywood Studios, maybe Magic Kingdom, heck, maybe even bring it to Epcot. Like, I don't know. Um, I think it would be cool. But again, this reminds me a lot of the uh, sky blue or blue sky, whatever they wanted to call it, where Josh tomorrow and a bunch of Imagineers got up on stage and just said, hey, guys, wouldn't this be neat? And nothing ever came of it. So um, uh, take this with a grain of salt, particularly the Wakanda part. But I do think it is really cool that Disney is finally um, uh, ponying up and uh, pushing their chips all in, so to speak. Okay, so um, you heard the breaking news program from DNN at the open of the podcast. I guess we do need to actually talk about it now. Um, there was a live black bear at magic kingdom, uh, this past Monday, uh, one week from the day we're dropping this podcast on, uh, September 18th. I was at work and, uh, I was, uh, on, on, on my break. I was, I was heading to the bathroom and I saw on Twitter, it's like, Half the park is closed. It's like, you know, uh, Tomorrowland, Frontierland, and Liberty Square. Like, all those attractions are shut down. It's like, huh, that's weird. And and then, like, I also saw reports, like, cast members aren't saying why. It's like, huh, that's even more weird. And it's like, okay, whatever. I didn't think anything of it past that. And then uh, me and the smoking Hot Girlfriend, we had a uh, lunch date. And we went to go see uh, Coco, which was uh, which has been released in select theaters um, for Disney 100, which, which by the way, shout out Disney 100 for re-releasing some of their bigger, uh, movies into theaters, uh, to celebrate Disney 100. I think it's super awesome. And I never had the chance to see Coco on the big screen. Just phenomenal, gorgeous. I, I would love to see Coco being brought to life somewhere in the parks. Uh, if Disney wants to throw some of their $60 billion, uh, towards a Coco land or a Coco attraction that's just me but uh seeing coco on the big screen super awesome definitely cried big manly tears uh, a couple times throughout the movie because that's what disney and pixar does to me but uh so the reason i say that is we we go watch coco and right before coco starts i check my phone and i see claims that there is a black bear in the magic kingdom i'm like there's no way that's pot. That is impossible. No. I, I, no, 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 no. There is, there is not a black bear in the Magic Kingdom. A live black bear. Now, now, Animal Kingdom, sure, but it would be in captivity. Nope. It actually turned out to be true. And uh, no, I don't care what DNN says. Uh, Magic Kingdom is not a bear sanctuary. Uh, the bears did not... Uh, what did they say? Uh, feast on the mechanical flesh of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, they did not parade Captain Jack Sparrow uh, down the streets. Uh, the Tiki Room is not under new management. Thank God. Um, but yeah, there was a uh, black bear in the Magic Kingdom. Now, thankfully, uh, nobody was hurt. No uh, cast members, no guests, no attractions were hurt and uh and according to an update from the uh, florida fish and wildlife conservation commission the adult female black bear uh had been safely captured at magic kingdom uh, the bear was spotted like i said in a tree and captured in a wooded area away from guests along the northern section of the rivers of america at magic kingdom uh, the bear will be relocated uh, to an area in or around the Ocala National Forest, according to the FWC. The FWC says in most cases, it's best for bears to be given space to, you know, move along on their own. But given this situation, uh, staff have captured the bear and are relocating it out of the park to an area 
like I said, in or around the Ocala National Forest. Uh, all attractions uh, would later go on to be reopened, with the exception, with the exception of the Walt Disney World Railroad, which would go on to be remain closed for the rest of the day. But if we're being honest, I mean, us Disney fans, we're used to the uh, railroad being closed. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what a uh, what a bizarre bizarre day, and I have a feeling uh, us Disney fans will never forget where we were the day the bear came to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Diz Twitter sometimes is kind of uh, kind of a dumpster fire, but man, the memes were on point on uh, Monday when that bear showed up in Magic Kingdom. That was uh, that was something else. That was uh, something else. We got some tram news. Yeah, yeah, get 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 your tram news, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Because <laughs> there's some people that are very passionate about the trams, I found out. And uh, good on you if that's what you're passionate about. But after uh, more than 1,100 days and uh, nine months after a self-imposed deadline, uh, the parking lot trams have made their return to both Epcot and Hollywood Studios which now marks a full return to service. Now, parking lot tram service returned to Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom last year, but Disney only brought service back to Epcot and Hollywood Studios last Wednesday. So that means as of last Wednesday, for the first time in more than three years, all four Walt Disney World theme parks now have their parking lot tram. So if uh, you and your party are going to be parking in like, say, uh, Green Gaston 52 or something, you can now take a tram to uh, take you to be dropped off right in front of whatever park you're going to. So uh, there you go. And uh, and some more Epcot news. Uh, according to Disney World, Disney park reservations for Epcot are starting to sell out for the pass holder exclusive Journey of Water preview date. If you are a pass holder, as a reminder, uh, the only requirement for you to get into the preview of the upcoming uh, Journey of Water uh, preview is the Epcot Park Pass. You don't need to then make a, you know, lightning lane or a virtual queue past that. Uh, from there, all you got to do is enter a standby line that will allow you to preview the new walkthrough experience. So some of these dates I'm going to list off to you aren't going to matter to you because uh, September 24th, the day I'm recording this, not available to you. So it's already happened in the past. Though this date, the day you're listening to this, if you're uh, the day it drops, Monday, September 25th, not available in Epcot. This Friday, September 29th, not available in Epcot. And additionally, October 1st is also sold out. But I don't know if that has so much to do with the... Uh, AP preview for Journey of Water. That also happens to be Epcot's anniversary. So I would imagine uh, that is going to be quite the crowd as well. As a reminder, pass holder previews for Journey of Water are going to be through September 24th through September 29th. And then again, October 1st through October 4th. So even though we have a couple days where park reservations have already kind of sold out in Epcot, you do still have some options. And some more Epcot news. Uh, I teased it earlier, getting out of This Week in Disney History, uh, touching on Luminous. Uh, backstage, behind the scenes, even more barges have arrived ahead of the early December debut of Luminous, the Symphony of Us at Epcot. Uh, now, the website Bio Reconstruct has taken to the skies over Walt Disney World to provide the internet with a sneak peek at the infrastructure that Disney has built for the show. And um, y'all, I'm just going to say this. Nobody freak out. But they're barges. They are bar... Jay, 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 put the gun down. It's going to be okay. It's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be fine. Because unlike Harmonious, which previously had permanently moored armadas, Luminous will utilize movable barges to preserve daytime views of World Showcase Lagoon while providing a compelling suite of technology once the sun sets. So I like the fact that, okay, they're going back to the well with barges, but it seems like they listened to us fans and particularly Justin Monorail on his one man holy war against the barges and they're going to be movable and they're not going to ruin what was a very, and still is, picturesque view across the World Showcase Lagoon. 
So um, I'm very curious and excited to see what Luminous will bring to us uh, when it debuts on December 5th. Um, now, there is some construction going on currently in the World Showcase Lagoon. Uh, crews are getting it up to date, getting it ready for its debut in December. But again, there are barges and they're movable. So everybody calm down. Jay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Speaking of nighttime shows, this time heading over to uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Starting last week, uh, particularly last Tuesday on September the 19th, Fantasmic at Hollywood Studios moved its 8.30 p.m. show to 9.30 p.m. shows on days where it doesn't have two performances. Now, that means the move to a later show means that the standard performance of Fantasmic will start later in the evening typically 30 minutes after the park closes for the day now. Now, don't worry, just because Hollywood Studios closes at 9 p.m. doesn't mean you won't be able to watch the 9.30 Fantasmic show. It means it's the only offering that's officially open after the park closes and guests will be permitted into the theater after the park closes, you know, as long as the theater isn't full. Now, while the standard showtime is now 9.30, there are some days when a second performance is still scheduled. In the event that there is a second performance scheduled on that day of your visit, the quote-unquote second performance will be at 8 p.m. So looking at the schedule for the next few weeks, there are a handful of dates where there are going to be two performances with the bonus performance being at 8 p.m. and then the standard performance at 9.30 p.m. Now, seems like going forward, as, as I stated, 9.30 p.m. is going to be where you're always going to see your Fantasmic. But on September 19th, September 22nd, September 24th, September 26th, September 28th, September 29th, October 1st, October 3rd, October 5th, October 6th, and October 7th, you're going to have bonus showings at 8 p.m. Those dates that I just listed, you're going to have two showings, one at 8 p.m., one at 9.30, and then September 19th through October 9th. Again, this is just over the next few weeks. You're at least, at least going to have the quote-unquote standard performance showing at 9.30 p.m. Uh, me and the Smoke and Not Girlfriend on our last trip down to Disney, we caught Fantasmic uh, after it made its glorious return to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and uh, we really dug it. It was one of our highlights of our trip. We got really dope seats really up close right in the center so we, we were able to experience everything it was it was it was so damn cool so highly recommend if uh, you and your party get the chance uh, whether it be the bonus performance whether it be the standard performance highly recommend you check out Fantasmic so this is something that I and others had been kind of wondering speculating about what was Disney going to do with those super cool golden statues they installed for the 50th anniversaries with these characters uh with the magic band plus interactions you know where you could wave or do a hand gesture or hand jive or dance or whatever where they would say a line or have a sound or play a song from whatever movie they were famous from what were they going to do with those because they had the 50th anniversary celebration logo on them and well we discovered last week disney announced that the uh, fab 50 character statues they're just going to have the 50th anniversary medallion removed and replaced by pixie dust. And uh, they did say that the adjustment will still allow the Magic Band Plus interactions uh, to live on into the future. And we've already seen uh, some of those characters have the medallion removed. And so I'm super glad that we're going to see those stay permanently, it seems like. And the interaction as well. Uh, be continued to be supported because I, all, I I thought that was one of the cooler ways to use your Magic Band Plus um, and also one of the only ways to use your Magic Band Plus now that I think about it. All right, got a few last bits of Disney news. This is kind of a, a scatter shot across all the parks. Just going to be going quickly through these because I know this episode is already running long, so I apologize about that. But uh, the scaffolding has been removed from the exterior of the Star Tours building at Disney's Hollywood Studios as the refurbishment, it seems to have wrapped up. Uh, scaffolding, as we reported earlier on previous episodes, was installed back in late July as crews worked to repair 
a uh, rundown mural that depicted the uh, forest moon of Endor on the outdoor of the extended queue. Um, uh, once again, like I said it when we talked about it originally, I think the uh, queue for Star Tours is really, really cool. Um, uh, it looks just like the, uh, the, the toy I had when I was growing up. Uh, so, so dang cool, and I'm glad to see it get some uh, TLC and uh, the Disney's taking care of it. So, uh, yeah, just check that out if you're in Hollywood Studios. It wouldn't be an episode of Does Does Disney if I didn't talk about how uh, there are dates sold out for after-hour ticketed events, and we have just that. you got to give the people what they want, and we have both a spooky and a very merry iteration of both. Um, as of this recording, the only available option of Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party is going to be the Halloween party they have after Halloween. We're talking the November 1st option. Other than that, it is sold out, y'all. Like we said last year, like I've said several times this year, um, we knew this was going to happen. It was, it, was just, it was just a matter of time, and, and here we are. I think this is just going to be the way things are going forward. Um, all these after-hour ticketed events, we're going to see them be a sellout until people say, no, we're not going to pay in the future, you know, $249 ahead because I wouldn't put it past Disney to pull that crap in the future. But uh, yeah, as of this recording, there is one more Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party, and it just happens to be the one after Halloween on November 1st. Now, the very merry part of this story. We have now seen our second very merry Christmas party sell out, and that is going to be the second very merry Christmas party they are offering on November 10th. So that now means November 9th and 10th have sold out back-to-back. Still tons of options for the Christmas party in the Magic Kingdom, but again, kind of going back to what I said, talking about not so scary. This is going to sell out, sold out last year, and I think we're going to continue to see all the after-hour ticketed events, despite the ticket prices, sell out. So if you and your party want to go celebrate Christmas with Mickey, Minnie, and all their friends, get the tickets while you can, and maybe get some of those tickets on the... cheaper side while you can because uh a lot of the uh cheaper i say that with a caveat tickets are still available at the 159 and also if you're an annual pass holder or a dvc member there are still a lot of options where you can use your ten dollar discount on those party nights as well so get in while the getting is good and speaking of another uh ticketed event which we've already seen some sell out let's head over to hollywood studios for some jollywood nights at hollywood studios because disney world has announced hollywood fiesta in lakaya an entertainment offering for disney jollywood nights at hollywood studios Uh, and disney has also uh, released uh, concept art for the entertainment offering. Hollywood Fiesta in Lakaya will be uh, one of the entertainment offerings featured at the brand new nighttime party, Disney Jollywood Nights, when it debuts at Disney Hollywood Studios on November 11th. Uh, guests will head down Commissary Lane and discover a holiday street fair filled with lively entertainment. Latin holiday music will fill the air as musicians play along the walkways. Uh, warm lighting and colorful decor will give the street a vibrant feel and guests sip drinks and nibble treats inspired by Latin holiday traditions. So I think that's cool. I think that uh, I think it's awesome that Disney is branching out uh, for something unique uh, when it comes to the holiday celebration. I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going to be able to experience that while I'm down, but I look forward to any of you going there and reaching out to uh, let us know what you think for uh, Jollywood Nights and uh, Holiday Fiesta in La Caya. So uh, let us know uh, when that goes live on November the 11th. And some pass holder news. Last week we talked about how pass holder magnets went live for uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, um, uh, but that's not the only 
Oswald the Lucky Rabbit news. As a part of the September-October annual pass holder activations at Epcot, there will be pass holder exclusive Oswald treats at Sunshine Seasons. Uh, Disney put out a statement saying, quote, Savor the sweet tribute to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit with specialty treats available to purchase from September 20th to October 23rd. Uh, Sunshine Seasons in Epcot will be serving these pass holder exclusive menu items for a limited time. We're talking about Oswald Triple Chocolate Cake, which is a chocolate cake, chocolate ganache, chocolate mousse, and crisp pearls with a white cookie dome. And also, they have the Oswald Cookies and Cream Shake, garnished with an Oswald the Lucky Rabbit Chocolate Cone. So uh, there you go. If you want to get some Oswald-related eating when you get your Oswald magnet, you have uh, two options, and uh, it seems very chocolatey. If you're a Florida resident and you're looking to uh, get a new license tag or renew your new license tag and you want to show the world that you love Disney, you have a brand new option because a refreshed version of the Disney World license plate is now available and proceeds benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. In a statement, Disney put out, quote, Florida drivers, the most magical license plate on earth just got a fresh new look. Rolling out starting this week in local county tax collectors' offices and license plate agencies, or otherwise known as Satan's Butthole DMVs. Disney didn't say that. That was uh, some uh, editorial notes from yours truly. Throughout Florida, also known as Satan's Butthole, our newly redesigned Walt Disney World specialty license plate will continue to directly benefit Make-A-Wish Central and Northern Florida, helping grant even more wishes for children facing critical illnesses and their family. It's a perfect way to add a little more pixie dust to your car while supporting a great cause. We first introduced a Disney World specialty license plate during the 50th anniversary celebration, and just recently, Disney hit a big milestone, over $2 million raised for this Make-A-Wish chapter through these license plate sales. Quote, Disney is our largest wish granter in the world, and they know just how important it is to create joy and hope for children and families who need it most. In quote, said Ann Cuba, president and CEO of Make-A-Wish Central and Northern Florida. She goes on to say, this new license plate is the latest way we are making big impacts for wish families in Florida. And I can't wait to see it hit the road soon as even more Florida drivers join us as making wishes come true, end quote. Super awesome. I mean, like, you got to have a tag to drive your car. That's 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 just the way things are. Even here in the backwoods of Tennessee, you got to have a tag to drive your car. Um, uh, but, yeah, if you're down in Florida and you want to show the world that you're a Disney fan and you want some uh, money to go to a, a great organization and make the wish, you now have a new way. It uh, has uh, the outline of Cinderella Castle on the back and uh, make make a wish is such a great organization one of my uh, best friends in the world was a make a wish kid growing up and uh he's told me his story doing that and uh yeah it's just a uh, phenomenal phenomenal organization and uh finally one more uh florida specific uh piece of news uh, disney world announced that florida resident weekday magic tickets are now available between october 2nd and december 22nd for a pretty damn good price, if I do say so myself. In a statement, Disney said, quote, uh, Florida residents can purchase a four-day Disney weekday magic ticket for just $59 per day, plus tax, uh, for a total price of $235 plus tax, or choose from specifically priced two-day and three-day tickets. When you take advantage of this ticket offer, you can experience a world of magic and thrills in the theme park, and you can enjoy the holiday festivities at the most magical place on Earth. End quote. Yeah, like I said, four-day tickets are going to be $235 plus tax, coming to $59 a day. Uh, three days uh, select dates are going to be $215 plus tax, coming to $72 per day. Or uh, select two-day tickets, $195 plus tax, $98 per day plus tax. Now, uh, these tickets are valid Monday through Friday only from October 2nd through December 22nd. That means over the holidays, including Thanksgiving. So if you want to get in and enjoy, like they said, enjoy some of the holiday decorations, whether they be Halloween, whether they be Christmas, if you're a Florida resident and you don't own an AP, might not be a bad option. So uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, that's all I got this week, uh, news-wise. 
been a rather lengthy episode. I apologize for that. Um, and because it's been a rather lengthy episode, uh, we're going to uh, forego any Lorcana news. There's been some more cards previewed for the upcoming series. Like uh, we got a Cinderella warrior princess, I'm calling her. It's like a badass uh, warrior version of Cinderella we'll talk about in future episodes. But uh, yeah, quite frankly, I'm tired. So uh Follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me, Landon Doan. I'm the best, Landon Doan, not the rest. That's where you can follow me, 280 characters on Twitter. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunchchips, sit on your butt munch. Uh, I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk 987 app as well. Um, uh, yeah, we went the distance this week, guys. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, bright and early 5 a.m. Monday morning. I'm, uh, in the spooky month of October. Uh, but until we talk, uh, thank a cast member, thank a team member, uh, Disney and Universal, pay your cast members, uh, living wage without them. Uh, none of what you have going on happens. We love coming down to your parks. Some of us love spending all of our money down at, Uh, the parks but like i said without them what you have happening doesn't happen without them so treat them like the rock stars that they are be decent to each other uh you don't know what everybody else has going on in their lives and you don't know how far a kind word or a kind gesture can go and uh cost you nothing be nice so uh be nice and uh breathe have a little bit of fun if you can do both of those things that'd mean the world to me my name is landon doan Thank y'all for coming along on this edition of uh, Does Does Disney. You've been great. I've been Does Does Disney. Talk to y'all next week. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff I can do well. Heck, there's even a couple things I can do very well. But when it comes to graphic design, that is one thing I cannot do at all. Thankfully, I have a friend in Matt and love of the mouse multimedia. You know and love their work. The sleek and soon-to-be-beloved logo for this very podcast, Does Does Disney, that was them. The classic morning monorail logo and all its variants, that was love of the mouse too. And not only does Love of the Mouse have an incredible talent for graphic design, they're easy to work with and collaborate. They listen to your ideas and suggestions, then they bring them to life. So if you're looking to start your own blog, podcast, YouTube channel, Etsy shop, whatever creative outlet that you're thinking of, Love of the Mouse can help your brand to stand out in the crowd. Connect with Matt on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by searching Love of the Mouse Multimedia or at L-O-T-M Multimedia or visit loveofthemousepodcast.com or email loveofthemousepodcast at gmail.com to contact him about your design needs. We're talking logos, social media promos, advertisements, websites, and so much more. And if you're uh, looking for some more awesome Disney content, make sure and subscribe to his show, Love of the Mouse Podcast, on your favorite streaming applications. And tell him the Dawes sent you. I, I, I don't know if that'll get you anything. I've just always wanted to say that. Mm-hmm.